My name is Oli, I'm a doctor and YouTuber. I'm Taymor, I'm a data scientist and writer. And you're listening to Not Overthinking, the weekly podcast where we think about happiness, creativity and the human condition. Hello, welcome back to Not Overthinking. This is the first episode we're recording in, I think, like six weeks. Has it only been six weeks? According to YouTube, we, we uploaded the last episode on the 30th of September and it's it's been like six weeks since then. I yeah. thought it was longer. I thought it had been like two months. Oh, it was longer. So we recorded that one when we were still in gas holders. Yeah, we were still there 30th of September. Were we? Maybe not. Maybe we, like, no, we recorded we'd... that a week before. Yeah, I think we'd recorded a week before. And... Yeah, so let's say it's been like it's been like two months. It's been like two and a half mm. months. There's a lot going on. That is a lot. Are we gonna? Are we actually going to take this seriously and do it regularly? Because we live together now. Yeah. And we have literally a studio where we can just sit and rock up and, and hit record whenever yeah. we feel like this it. This is a full setup. This is, so this what, is your fancy studio setup. So what is it that's causing? What is it that's causing us to be so bad at like actually doing this? Well, I think we don't have the calendar event anymore. Mm. And also, you've been traveling a lot. Okay. I think that's the main reason. I think now that we have the setup, like how how bullish are you on doing this kind of actually actually doing it regularly? Yeah, I think it's I think it's great when we do it regularly. Okay, fine. I Let's think it gets worse when we don't do it regularly. Yeah, I agree. Um, I've had messages from a bunch of people being, oh, like um, a few a few people. I, I've I've done a few events in real life, and people are always like, oh, when's not overthinking coming back? Once? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one's like, when's the next episode of Deep Dive? <laughs> <laughs> they just always ask about no. Well, I guess because Deep Dive is actually regular, unlike this. Yeah. Um, Bro, so when's the next framework dropping? <laughs> Productivity framework. Oh, fine. I think when I JavaScript framework, I was like, no, fine. No. Um, yeah, so we'll figure out a time after this to... Yeah, I think if we had like a weekly breakfast and not overthinking recording, that would be like a good little activity. I'd be down for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can do breakfast and not overthinking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, that would be pretty good. Efficiency. How do you feel about eight o'clock in, in the morning? Yeah, actually, I wake up pretty early these days. I wake up between like 6.30 and 7. Okay, it's so we really could good. actually do like Wednesdays at 8 is like our default not overthinking time. Yeah. Cool. Okay, fine. So what has been going on in your life for these last two months? Last two months. Mate, where to begin? Just like usual stuff, you know. Just kind of like settling down into married life. Just fairly, fairly pedestrian stuff. Done a bit of traveling. We had a, t- a company offsite in Costa Rica. That was fun. So you took the whole company to Costa Rica? Took the whole company to Costa Rica for a week, six days or so. How was that? Yeah, it was really good. We It was like 50-50 between work stuff and just general team building activities, i.e. just like having fun together as a team, which I think makes a big difference if you're a remote team. Because I think most people don't really... You know, if, you're not, if you're not hanging out with people, mm. you don't necessarily have like a high level of trust. And I think that just kind of like general social interaction builds the sort of trust that keeps the machine well-oiled. Nice. How, so many, how many people do you have on the team now? We're like 26 people now. 26? Yeah. Like there, were, there were 20, 20 of us at the offsite. Okay. Yeah. And so was it like um, structured fun? Like, let's go for mini golf and... Yeah, yeah. it was like activities that were book, pre-booked and organized. Okay. And there was also just some chill time of like chill dinners and just like hanging out on the beach and stuff. So what was your gig, given that you enjoy analyzing social interactions? Mm. How, would you, how would you have analyzed the vibe? Casual dinner versus unstructured time versus like mini golf-esque activities? Yeah, so in terms of, in terms of different activities, so we'd, we'd usually have like a team dinner in the evenings um, where, you know, just have a big dinner table for, or like separate, sometimes, sometimes separate tables. I think those are good to like force people to sit next to random people that they might not otherwise end up next to mm. and so it, it kind of like makes it a big mixing pot but i think the vibes were probably best on some of the like semi-structured activities so one of the semi-structured act- activities was like a just like a boat ride where we were just on this boat for a few hours and then we stopped at some beach and you could just go down to the go to the beach do some snorkeling if you want just paddle around the boat you know jump into the water that kind of th- that, that kind of stuff and so it's structured in the sense of like hey we're all we're all on this boat but it's unstructured in the sense of like you know, you can sit outside in the boat or inside, or you can go to the beach with a little group, with a little group, or you can do snorkeling with a little group. You know, and you can just kind of, you can just kind of jam and relax. And there's no, there's no like expectation. Like at dinner, there's an expectation that like you're, you're talking and you're eating. Whereas when you're on the boat or or some kind of semi-structured activity, you can just like relax. It just relax in the presence of other people. And some people will be talking, and some people will just be listening. And 
Yeah, I thought I think everyone really enjoyed that boat trip. And we also saw some really cool animals on the beach, which I think really helped. So yeah, it was just like I think the boat trip was kind of magical and everyone felt the vibes. Nice. Yeah. So overall worth it. Yeah, I think so. Um so that yeah, that's probably the main interesting one off thing that's been that's happened in the past couple of months. How long how long has Causal been running now? We started in July, June or July twenty nineteen. So I think three and a half years now. Damn. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yeah. Three and a half years. That's crazy. It's almost four years. That's wild. How does it feel? I don't know. Four years feels like a long time. And like, it's hard to imagine what working life was before that. Yeah. It just feels like it's, it's pretty much the so what, only working what, life. I'm, what did I'm your doing. like normal day-to-day job look like pre-causal when you, when you worked at Nested? So I had a, yeah, I had this day-to-day job in London where I was a data scientist I loved my colleagues. It was just like so much fun hanging out with people, like the lunch times, random coffees, like working with people and stuff. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. But I think I felt the like existential angst of, you know, I, you know, this doesn't feel like my calling. Like you're building someone else's dream. Building someone else's dream. Yeah. Like, you know, I, it's nice not to have the existential. I think it was like on paper, it was probably more like, it was probably more surface level fun of, like having a good time with your mates kind of fun Mm. right i think causal is less like having a good chill time with your mates kind of fun there's there's not that much of it there is there there is that in there there is that sometimes like we had some bunch of the team visit london last week and like do you think that's because you're a remote company yeah i think honestly being remote i think that makes such a big difference why are you a remote company i think we decided to be kind of remote first we started like I don't know, eight months before the pandemic or something. And we decided to be remote first just because, yeah, I think it just, it just, it felt like a bit of a no brainer because it was like, oh yeah, I mean, everyone just worked. We, I mean, Lucas and I were like working remotely for chunks of time mm. and a few days of the week. Like, we weren't always physically together in London. Yep. And it just felt like you have access to more talent in different countries. Mm. And so our first hire ended up, just happened to end up being remote. He kind of reached out and he, he seemed really good. And so then we just kind of ran with it. And I do, yeah, I, th- I think it's probably a net positive. I think personally, I really like going into an office. So now that I'm living in London full time, I go into the office every day. It's like really nice vibes. It's like three or four of us, in, at least three or four of us in the office every day. And it's just like so much fun. I just love, love a commute, love an office. Yeah. Why do you love a commute? I think it's, a, I, I've, I've always liked just having a bit of separation. Mm. I think it's kind of depressing if you don't really leave the house. Mm. And it's, I, yeah, I think it's just good to have some like physical separation between where you work. And I think our office is just really nice vibes. We've, we've upgraded it recently. We've got some nice chairs. We've got some artwork and it makes such a difference, honestly. Like it's, it's a pleasure just like walking in there and you kind of feel peaceful while yeah. you're working. Yeah. Whereas I think if you're doing it at home, like, yeah, you can make the space really nice and stuff, but I think it, it, it kind of like kills the vibe when you're not working because it's, you kind of kind of associate it with like, oh, I should be working or something. I don't know. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. Fair play. Anyway, that's all, in all, all in all, enjoying life. Yeah. You know, can't complain. If you were to, so post-causal, let's say you start a new company. Yeah. Are you going remote first or like in person or what's your, what's your jam? Yeah. I think it depends. It depends on, it depends on what the thing is, but yeah, I, I would, I would seriously consider doing like fully in person. Nice. Yeah. Cause I think, I think definitely there are folks on the team who feel a bit isolated. Like if you're the only person in your function, and you're yeah. working remotely then you're kind of just like doing stuff on your own most of the time and that's just a bit isolating whereas like one of our engineers last week was saying like oh man like today i was doing like this really like yeah basically he he, he had to do some like mind-numbing type of repetitive task for a few hours that day and he was saying that like if i was at home that would have been really depressing because i was in the office and just like surrounded by people and occasionally chatting it was just like fun and so i think that's what you really miss out on yeah, I feel like if I were working remotely and as part of a team, but like only seeing them twice a year or whatever it is, mm. I'd be pretty depressed by that state of affairs because I also really like hanging out with people IRL. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's nice to have the option to, like I, I, I like the, the freedom and flexibility for myself <laughs> and also for other people to be like, oh, hey, if one of the team members wants to go to Costa Rica for like two weeks, whatever, yeah, so that's fine. Yeah, exactly, yeah. But I think defaulting to we're all hanging out in the office in person. Yeah. There's just so much. It just feels so much better and more more fun. Yeah. And initially, like, we started off remote first. And then, like, this time last year, I decided to switch everything to in person. And now we've kind of gone for a bit of a hybrid approach. Yeah. Which seems to be working well. 
I feel kind of bad for the people that aren't in the office. Mm. Um, in the sense that, like, we're quite we're quite flexible in like the stuff that we that we offer. Um, yeah. And so, and you know, and and people seem to like working from home because, like, oh, I don't have to commute and I get to be with the family and all that kind of stuff. But I just think being in the office is such a like level up in terms of your own like skills and vi and just soaking in the vibe of yeah, the other people yeah. around you and, and stuff like but that. The energy is much more motivating. Mm. I guess for like, we have some people on our team that don't really aspire to be like side hustle entrepreneurs and stuff. And for them, it's like, oh, great. You know, feel free to come to the office whenever you feel like. But for the ones that do aspire a life of a side hustle entrepreneur, yeah, I think like, there's there's so little that beats being in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we and and I know I know we have a, a couple of team members that aspire to this life, but choose to not come to the office because they just like the convenience of working from oh, home. Okay. And I'm I always think to them like you're really shooting yourself in the foot here. Like why yeah. would you not come into the office if if you actually aspire to the mm. to, to the life of side hustle entrepreneur? But yeah, what's been going on in your life for the last couple of months? You've done some traveling. Done some traveling. So we've now fully moved into this place. Uh, we now have this podcast room and we have the YouTube room, which is super nice. And it's super handy having like everything just set up to be able to just rock up and hit record. Um, so that's sick. Um, and this place is big enough that team members come in fairly regularly. So Mondays, most people are in. Tuesdays, some people are in. And actually, yeah. most days of the week, you know, Angus or Tintin might come around or Tommy might be around. And yeah. it's just like great vibes. Um, we, are try we are starting to do like a WeWork hybrid-y type thing as well. So you have a WeWork too? We have a WeWork too, yeah. Um, got a sponsorship deal with them. Um, so they've given us 10 free all-access passes for 10 of our team members, the nice. ones who are most likely to use the WeWork. Dude, sick. Um, so what I'm imagining is sort of from next week, I, I kind of want to have a routine where maybe in the morning I film a video and I just be like, I, I just need to film a video this morning. And then afterwards, I pack up the laptop, go to WeWork, um, yeah. walk, walk over to WeWork and then do some writing-y type stuff there yeah. and then do gym afterwards. So I'd like to dabble with that routine. But... I spent the last like 10 days in Bali and then was in like, but uh, yeah, I've been, been doing a bunch of traveling recently. Kind of bizarre. I went to Tenerife for like seven days. Really? Went to Dubai twice in December. <laughs> like what, it's all just. What's all this travel about? Is it work? Are you like speaking at events or something? Yeah. The two Dubai things and the Bali thing was like speaking at events. And then the Bali thing was like speaking at an event and they were like, well, if you come speak at the event, we'll like put you up in this fancy resort for the rest of the week. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and I was also like doing a favor to a friend um, who very kindly invited me around. And that was like super fun. Just doing the whole work remotely from Bali. Yeah. Hung out with our mutual Twitter friend, Michael Ashcroft. Oh, cool. And yeah, I'm just doing the whole work from anywhere, work remotely. Do you not like having a routine in London? I think I, I really want to have a great routine in London. I feel like... I think I've done less traveling than you over the last couple of months. And I feel like my routine is always getting disrupted. Yeah, I do like having the, I do like having a routine. Uh, one thing that's really helped actually for the routine. I, and I, to, to an extent, I have a routine while traveling as well. Um, my coach, Eric, made me do this exercise where it's just like, you know, the whole ideal week. Oh, okay. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I've, I've actually blocked it in my calendar, recurring indefinitely. And I make changes to the template when I need to. Yeah. Um, let me uh, okay. read you out my... Um, Let's hear it. The ideal week. My ideal week. So let me fast forward to like a random date in 2023 where nothing else will be on. Okay. So essentially every day, uh, 7 to 7.30, wake up, shower and change. Okay. Cool. 7.30 to 8. Uh, 10 minutes of stretching, coffee and journaling in theory. Okay. Um, I initially was meditation, but then I decided I needed to stretch. So I just replaced it with stretch. And this yeah. is good because then that reminds me to do the thing. Then... 8 to 9 p.m. Uh, 8 to 9 a.m. is the breakfast block, okay. which is a nice slot uh, where I can have breakfast with someone. Yeah. So it's very easy to be like, hey, do you want to come grab a coffee? Mm. Come to my place, 8 a.m. Yeah. And people are well up for that. Uh, then 9 till 1 is a deep work block for no with no meetings. Okay. Uh, then 1 till 2 is a lunch block. And then 2 to 5 is a more work block, but meetings are allowed some of the days and they're not allowed some of the days. Yeah. So every single day, like 9 till 1 is always just like meeting free, deep work block. Wait, when's the gym? Gym is 5 till 6.30. It's an exercise block. Okay. No meetings and dinner block. Every single day? Every single day. Uh, you do that every single day? I don't, I don't go to the gym every single day, but I have made it a rule that I will do some form of exercise every single day. For one and a half hours or just at some point in that block? Uh, at some point in that block. Like okay. it's, it's useful to have it as one and a half. Yeah. Because you know with calendar events and stuff, mm -hmm. like it's just actually blocking out your own time. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've literally got exercise block, no meetings, so that okay. my team doesn't knows yeah. not to book a meeting unless it's absolutely urgent. Then 6.30 to 8, this is game-changing, 6.30 to 8, dinner block, no meetings. And that generally ensures that, 
Well, it, it doesn't ensure it, but it, it, it nudges my life towards having dinner at 6.30. Okay. Dinner at 6.30 is an absolute game changer. Wait, what's so good about that? Because then, then dinner is done by 8. Okay. Or if people are over at the very least 9. What's so good about that? Because then I can sleep at like 10. Oh, okay. And actually get into bed. But, because otherwise, I think just my, my, my default... My default way of thinking about dinner is that, oh, like 8 p.m. kind of thing. Like, hey, should we go have dinner with the boys? Cool, yeah, oh, let's okay, go to 8 p.m. 8 p.m. drags on until 11 p.m. Yeah. 11 p.m. drags on until like you get home. It's like, oh, can we <laughs> yeah. brush my teeth, et cetera, et cetera. And then it completely destroys the next day. Yeah, that's true. Whereas there's no reason why dinner can't be at 6.30. I mean, if you're trying to have dinner with friends, 6.30 is probably early, too early for people. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, so I've, I've had a lot of friends over at 6.30. Uh, oh, okay. So, like saying 6.30, people, people generally, uh, generally arrive by 7.00. Yeah, that's like I've never had someone to be like, oh, that's too early for me. I need to do 9 p.m. for dinner. Yeah. Um, And that means that sort of those then the remainder of the time and then the next event in the calendar is like 10 to 11 p.m. Bedtime, no more devices, plus 10 minutes of stretching. Yeah. And it just reminds me that, okay, cool. I should actually be heading to bed now. And yeah. Like anyway, I see the I see the calendar notification come up. And I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, yeah I'll go to bed. <laughs> like, you know, uh, yeah. the the intentional version of myself had decided this yeah. <laughs> a couple of months ago, and there's no reason why I shouldn't follow this. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the, actually the, been really good. The 10 p.m. bedtimes are sick and waking up early. I think like, I think just because I usually leave the office around around seven. I think because a bunch of the team is in the U.S. Like, I, I seven is when I don't have any more calls after that unless it's actually yeah. urgent. Yeah. And so I'll usually have some some call that's ending at seven, and then I'll head home. Yeah, basically between seven and seven thirty, I'll head home. I'll be home between like seven thirty and eight. Then we'll then we'll have dinner. I think my issue right now is that I should do a work sesh post dinner, but right now I view dinner as like the end of the day. And what I'm do you not, mean you should do a work sesh post dinner? I think it would be really valuable for like 30 to 60 minutes just to like, you know, wrap up any loose ends from the day. Mm. And yeah, just, yeah, just like get on top of things. Cause I get on top of things in the morning and then stuff happens during the day. And then I have to deal with it the next morning. And yeah, yeah, I think just like tying up any, not, not like doing a massive amount of work in the evening or starting something net new, but just like tying up loose ends and just reflecting a bit. I think that would actually be useful. Nice. So actually, yeah, maybe from this week, I I promise you that I will do a 30-minute work sesh post-dinner pre-bed. Okay. As a as a routine. <laughs> <laughs> Lucia sitting behind us being like, oh my God. Um, question. Yeah. So... I also had previously bought into the idea that like, oh, I have calls with people in the US, therefore like work has to finish like seven, eight, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, to which one of the coaches that I worked with who was in the US was like, no man, like even if like, even if you have calls with the calls with the US, they can finish by six. I don't mind if finishing by seven to be clear. Okay. Yeah. I think like, I think that's it. I think that seems fine for me. Okay. But then you get home by eight and then it's like dinner is from eight till like 10. And now you're doing your 30 minutes, 60 minutes of work at 10. No, 30 minutes of work. Okay. That, the, 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 it's, it seems like you're... Yeah, I think dinner at 7.30 would be... So dinner at 7.30, chill for, for what, 7.30 to 9.30. Mm. Yeah, maybe chill from 7.30 to 9, work from 9 to 9.30, and then chill from 9.30 to 10 and go to bed. Okay, yeah. That's actually right. Yeah. Cool. I, I actually would recommend just... You know, if you, if you just go on Google Calendar, fast forward a while, and actually make this happen so that you see this, these things in your calendar... And then you can mark some of the slots as free and the other slots, some of the slots as busy. Yeah. I think that this has just been like, I've, I've been doing this for the last like month and it's just been completely like, I feel my life is so much less frantic. Yeah. Because my Calendly link knows what's busy and what's free. The team yeah. knows what's busy and what's free. And I treat it as like, you know, unle- un- unless it's absolutely necessary. Mm. 5 p.m. is when I go gym. 6.30 is when I, okay, you yeah. know, and then all the calls and stuff are wrapped up by 5 p.m. Yeah, I, th- I do need to figure out gym thing. Actually, my morning routine is like it's almost really good in the sense that like i'm i'm basically always up before seven okay and then the thing that throws us off is my 30 to 40 minute poos and look I, everyone's gonna think oh my god why is he always going on about it like this just happens to be a big part of my life and i'm gonna talk about it on the podcast from time to time yeah <laughs> but like <laughs> if I'm, the I'm, old lady don't like it <laughs> I'm, i need to fit in the gym but i also want to be in the office for nine yeah, I think I can, I think I can do it basically. Like if I'm up by seven seven, if I'm done with my poo by seven thirty, then I just like get out of the house, go to the gym. Nah, I I don't think this is the right way. What? I think what you need to do, right? Get out of the house before the poo. I think what you need to do is you need to do a gym sesh after lunch. No, that's I just don't see how that's gonna work, man. Why not? At that point the US people are not awake yet. 
No, they are. They 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 start work between one to two p.m. in the UK. Okay. And also, like people are in the office, like I think it would. I think it'll it'll be very disruptive. I think it works. Like I feel really good if I work out before starting the work mm. day. Okay. Like when I when I did do that, it's like it just like sets you right. Right. So I think if I okay, so you wake up at seven. If I'm out of the house at seven thirty, and that that's okay, but you're not head. because you poo. No, well, I can I can make sure my poo's done by seven thirty to okay. whatever extent I can actually make that sure, and then I'm out of the house. Yeah, I think while you stay in the house, time just like mm, bleeds time, away. Time bleeds away when you're in the house. Mm. Once you're out of the house, you have no choice but to do something <laughs> do something useful with your life. <laughs> you know. All right. So the two the two things I'm going to try this week, productivity wise, mm. are out of the house at seven thirty go to the gym and then go to work and go to the gym, treat myself to breakfast and then go to work and 30 minute work session in the evening post dinner just to tie up loose ends. Nice. All right. So we can check back in next week and see if the action points have been adhered to. Yeah. Should we move away from productivity? If you like. (laughs) (laughs) Hate to do it to you. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted to talk about what's going down in the world of crypto right now. (laughs) Oh, Okay. What's going down in the world of crypto? So, I mean, you, you and I talked about this earlier, but basically, this guy, this guy, Sam Bankman-Fried, also known as SBF, he's, over the last three years, he's gone from, like, nothing to being a multi-billionaire, yeah. <laughs> aged 30 or whatever, however old he is. Now going back to basically nothing <laughs> and seemingly have committed a ton of fraud and... <laughs> and like now it's basically like i don't know it's unclear what it's unclear where he is right now but basically he this the story the tldr of the story as i understand it is you know this guy you know smart guy maths kind of maths bro somewhat right like starts working gets a job at a trading firm does that for a year or two then it's like okay what do i what do i really want to do with my life and then he He's just like exploring random stuff. And then he sees a trading opportunity where Bitcoin was priced differently in Japan than it was in the US. And this is like, I don't know, 2017, 2018, something like that. And so he's like, whoa, like these, the prices are different. I can make money off of this. And then he does it. He makes a ton of money off of this. He and makes then, about 20 million off of this. Yeah, yeah, something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then he decides to start a crypto exchange. So he's he's there, there were no like good crypto exchanges for traders, right? Now if you're if you're uh, you know if you're the average Joe on the street and you want to buy crypto, you don't want anything fancy. You want to just buy some Bitcoin. You want to buy some Ethereum. You don't want to buy some derivatives or some options or some futures or you know this, this is the kind of crap like traders care about that normal people don't want to get involved in slash shouldn't get involved in. And so he's like, okay, I made a bunch of money trading this stuff. I'm a trader and uh, there's no good crypto exchange for traders. And if we make like a really legit crypto exchange focused on like, you know, these really technical savvy people who want to do this fancy stuff, then that sounds like a pretty good business. Mm -hmm. And so then he started this crypto exchange for traders. Called FTX. Called FTX. You might have seen it on like stadiums in the US. They've got freaking Tom Brady, who's like one of the most famous American footballers or something yeah it's not basketball is it? it's no football, yeah. american football yeah yeah like it just and I felt, like i think <laughs> yeah 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 so they were going to sponsor uh the youtube channel as well really <laughs> yeah but it was for january next year so like oh, damn. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good thing that didn't happen i guess you need a new sponsor for january <laughs> <laughs> i know if anyone's interested please reach out <laughs> um yeah so i mean ftx is like everywhere you you yeah you've probably heard of this guy or seen him if you if you're even like vaguely aware of crypto you will know about him and even if you're not, you will have seen this go down in the news. Um, anyway, so this company, FTX. Starts- I'm, not, I'm not sure to what extent normal people know what's going on and would have seen this going down in the news. Because I feel Mimi, like... Mimi knows what's going on. Oh, she does? Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's my entire... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> entire kind of theory. And like Mimi probably, follow, Mimi probably takes more of an interest in crypto than she otherwise would because she knows we're into it. Yeah. But like, I think... I think everyone knows about this. Okay. I think it's like the top one of the top news stories right mm. now. Um, but yeah, basically this guy was like being heralded over the past couple of years as some kind of, you know, he was on the cover of Fortune magazine as like the next Warren Buffett. Um, you know, people are saying all of this stuff about mm. him. 
There's uh, a video about him calling him the world's most generous billionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his whole um, his whole shtick is to try and make lots of money to then give it away to charitable causes, etc., etc. Yeah, very effective altruism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he's he's into that, and yeah, basically he was he's been kind of painted to be this like absolute god tier genius like guy who is just like yeah, it, incredibly productive, driven, smart, savvy. But also really legit. Like a lot of FTX's brand was built around being like, oh, like a crypto exchange that isn't like a shit show, you know, that doesn't that isn't doing some dodgy stuff behind the scenes. Yep. That's like, you know, works with governments and regulators to like do things by the book, you know, all of this kind of stuff. That was the whole brand. Mm. And I think that was also the pitch to investors. Um, there is a good I think I've talked about the acquired podcast before i think it's basically the best tech podcast and they kind of do like sort of uh, deep dives on companies i think they did a they did an episode about F- ftx uh i don't know last year at some point and it's really good and basically what they mentioned was that the spiel the the investor spiel is basically like look everyone else who's tried to st- who started a crypto exchange like there, there's been a hi- there's a history of crypto exchanges getting started getting a bunch of traction and then the person who started it is like <laughs> committing some kind of fraud running some kind of ponzi scheme stealing some kind of money like there's always some like dodgy stuff behind the scenes and it seems like the the only people who have tried to start crypto change exchanges before ftx are like sketchy people who are going to do something sketchy and you just need like a legit guy or gal to start a legit crypto exchange and like not yeah not do not anything screw it up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so and like investors, investors, investors yeah. love that investors love that they were like okay great yeah this yeah he's like a very compelling guy like when you listen to him talk it seems like you know it seems like he's got it hmm. and yeah so basically this company ftx started like three to four years ago hmm. probably started around the same around the same time as causal was earlier this year worth something like 30 billion dollars and uh yeah it just seemed it just seemed super legit it seemed like almost nobody thought this that there was anything sketchy going on behind the scenes and then, like, last week, literally, like, seven or eight days ago, it came to light that FTX actually doesn't have people... Like, basically, people put money into this exchange to trade on it and just keep it sitting around. And then a bunch of people wanted to withdraw their money from FTX on one Sunday. I think a week ago, Sunday a week ago. And it turned out they didn't have the money. Like, people couldn't withdraw their money because it was no longer just sitting around, like... It should have been like like FTX had promised people, mm. like you, you, it's like putting your money in bank account and not being able to withdraw it. Um, there are there are nuanced differences between FTX and a bank account, but like broadly, you expect to be able to withdraw your money from a bank bank account. And maybe if it's a huge amount of money, you need to give your bank like a heads up or something. But like a bunch of people wanted to withdraw their money one week ago and they couldn't do it, and then FTX basically filed for bankruptcy a couple of days ago basically saying like look we don't we actually don't have any money Mm. and the millions of people who had put their money into this thing are now probably probably not going to get their money back the rest of the crypto industry now looks even more sketchy than it than it used to because now like this is yet another exchange that has like done some dodgy stuff behind the scenes and initially like yeah initially i thought like okay look no one is evil here right this is a guy. He started this. He started this business. It like went incredibly well. Like I'm sure there are some like gray area type of things where you know you might you might still be like a thoughtful and reasonable and wanting to do the right thing, and you kind of you kind of do this gray area mm-hmm. thing, and then you're on this like slippery slope of like oh, now you have to do this other thing to make up for it, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And so I thought like, okay, look everyone's paint, painting this guy out to be some like evil calculating villain whose plan it was all along to like do some sketchy stuff just to try and maximize how much money he makes, you know, ostensibly so he can give it away. And I kind of thought, man, like that's, people are being harsh. Like, it's just like a young guy. He's like doing this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably like accidentally did something wrong and then had to like double down, etc. cetera. Um, turns out, he was actually it does seem very calculated from the start he'd built a back door into into the exchange a back door into ftx that basically let him move money around completely freely without this being tracked anywhere without it being tracked in their like accounting system without any of their auditors knowing about it without any of the employees knowing about it and so basically behind the scenes from like pretty early on it seems this guy could just like go in take money in the system 
move it somewhere else. And it seems like he was moving a lot of that money into his personal trading company that basically trades money to make more money. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the situation. He'd been siphoning users' money to then trade on it and make more money for himself. And it seems like he flew too close to the sun and now they're bankrupt. So that's kind of the whole saga. Mm. And it's just been unfolding on Twitter basically in real time over the past week. It's been pretty sick, to be honest. Dude. Like, every time I log on to Twitter, yeah. I'm just like, all right, let's just look at my top three algorithmic tweets. I'm just like, all right, cool. Yep, <laughs> there's more stuff. Yeah, Twitter has not been this good in in forever, pretty much. Um, yeah, I'm like absolutely glued to the thing. It's genuinely harder to get work done. Yeah, Twitter's just been unbelievable. Uh, and like, it kind of makes you think like, what would happen if Twitter if, if Twitter didn't exist? We just like wouldn't have like there would be no like town square where everyone can just gather and like talk about the stuff, make jokes about it. People can like leak stuff to this. There's a Twitter account called Autism Capital, which now has over a hundred thousand followers. Um, yeah, like if Twitter didn't exist, there's just no forum for everyone to have this kind of public conversation that really everyone can like watch from the sidelines and partake in if they want to. And this this one Twitter account, Autism Capital, has become the sort of de facto leaker of information now, where like employees of FTX will anonymously send information, like send internal emails and internal Slack messages to Autism Capital on Twitter. And then it'll like publish these things and like, yeah, it's just like crazy. Yeah, it's like, a, it's an incredible drama that's unfolding. I mean, there are also, you know, let's not forget that 20 plus billion dollars of normal people for the most part's money is also just like gone. Mm. And, you know, what Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, there's a good clip of them that's circulating from like, I think it's from like two or three years ago, where someone asked, you know, Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, really old guys who've been in the investing game, made a lot of money, like investing more traditionally in companies. They're very like anti-crypto. And like three years ago, they were at, at their like annual conference. Someone asked them, oh, what do you think of crypto or something? And Warren Buffett basically said, look, like there's no actual value being created here. Um, what it seems like is people who are smart and conniving uh, see this as an opportunity to make a bunch of money by, you know, starting something like an exchange. And then people who are less smart and less conniving and less savvy about these things, they see all of their neighbors getting rich off of this stuff and so then they also pile into this stuff because their neighbor's getting rich off of it and they don't want to miss out. Mm. And then what happens is that the person who started the thing runs off with the money, <laughs> pretty much. That, that, that's what Warren Buffett described. I think that's exactly what's gone on where normal unsuspecting people like put their money into this stuff, put their money into this exchange, think like, you know, get sold on the, on the crypto Kool-Aid. And... Now, like millions of people have lost in total like $20 billion on this stuff. And this is just like broadly normal people who's putting their like life savings into this stuff. So it's pretty mental. It's insane. Mm. Yeah. So you had a lot of money in crypto, which you've just now liquidated. <laughs> What's going on there? Look, I'm not, I don't want to create more fun around crypto. Okay? <laughs> Look, I'll, I'll say briefly that I have recently, as in last night, sold all of my crypto. I do plan to buy back in. I just think it'll go down again before it goes back mm, up. Trying to time the market, are we? Yes. <laughs> How does Lucia feel about you buying back in when it goes back down? Have you, have you guys talked about this? Yeah, you know, we, we make joint financial decisions. So, you know, we'll sit. We'll do the technical analysis. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the astrology. <laughs> yeah, you know, so, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not in crypto anymore, but I'm closely following it and, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, the whole thing's just been insane. But I think it's made me, it's made me appreciate the value of Twitter of like, if this thing didn't, exist like where were these things i don't know i feel like this conversation would like if if twitter didn't exist it would it would it would have happened on like a facebook page or like a linkedin thing or like an instagram page like there are enough of these platforms out there on what facebook page would everyone be like like looking at this stuff in real time on any kind of i I think i think i think the difference is like facebook and instagram and stuff like that you can't have the, you can't really have like lots of people contributing. Mm. It'll, you know, autism capital might have a Facebook page and every few hours they leak some image yep. and some and like then, text yeah, posts. And then thousands of people in the comments being like, yeah, and there's people in the comments, like, but like you can't engage, like you or I would not engage with those, co- like you can't just scroll through the comments and understand what's going on. You can't, you know, like you can't post a really funny meme in the comments and it like rises yeah. to the top of the replies. Like it's not really yeah. a town square in that sense. It's like a, it's like, like a, a distribution. Yeah, yeah, it's a bro- it's a distribution channel for like one to many broadcasts. Yeah, but yeah. Well, Twitter well, generally well, feels democratic. One of the things I found I found interesting was how 
you know, the backstory from from this was like apparently a couple of, a couple of weeks ago, CZ, the founder of Binance, 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 um, and Sam had like a bit of a beef on Twitter. Yeah. And like Sam said something snarky to CZ, and then two weeks later, CZ says that hey, we're pulling pulling all all of, all the money out of this thing, and it seems like. They're not talking to each other in the WhatsApp DMs. They're talking to each other on Twitter and yeah. Yeah, like on <laughs> on Twitter publicly. Yeah, and that's having like such having a fight. Yeah, insane consequences. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's like especially with Elon getting getting like super involved on Twitter these days. Like I there there are a few people I a few creators I know who have replied to Elon things and then he's replied to them and yeah. It's like you actually can access the richest person in the world. Yeah. By replying to one of their tweets, yeah. um, which is just pretty cool. Yeah, it's sick. Yeah. Love a bit of Twitter. Yeah. Um, so that's what's what's going on these days. It's all How there. closely have you been following it? I was following it a little bit when I was in Bali. Uh, this was like um, Binance had just released a tweet saying that they were gonna they were gonna bail out FTX. Yeah. And I got on a plane, and yeah. then twenty four hours later, I got off the plane. I was like, wait, what the hell's going on? I got yeah. off. <laughs> because in that time, better Binance had done their due diligence, and then yeah. subsequently pulled out of the deal, and all of the Sam Bankman-Fried is, is evil stuff started to come about. Mm. So I kind of been I've been vaguely following it since then. Um, the YouTube channel Coffeezilla is a good like source for kind of summarizing all this in the form of a video. Yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting. Like, there's part of me that's like, it's like following any kind of spectacle in the news. Yeah. Where, in a previous life, I would have been like, "Don't watch the news. It's not. It's not. It's not useful for you. Yeah. It's not good for your life." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that I feel like over time, I'm going to become more interested in the news because I feel like when you know, in, when you know something about an industry, yeah, and you have the if you have the background yeah. context, the news is super interesting. Yeah. Um, if I knew something about like the conflict in the Middle East, then any news coming out of that area would be super interesting, yeah, yeah. like it is to my mates who, are, who know stuff about that conflict. Yeah. So I feel like over... And I, I wonder if this is why old people more, are more likely to follow the news than young people, because they just have more knowledge about the world. Yeah. And for them, that's like the news is actually relevant. Yeah. Because it's like interesting, because you can, you can fit what's happening in the news on your tree of knowledge of mm. what's, what the world is like. Yeah. Um, so I've kind of slowly been following it, but trying not to let it too, okay, yeah. be too like, oh my God, like yeah. <laughs> drama. Because it's, it's essentially the equivalent to celeb gossip. Just yeah, yeah, celeb exactly, gossip that exactly, affects yeah. It's like a reality of, TV show. Yeah, yeah, tens of thousands of people and their yeah. life savings and stuff. Yeah, I do worry about that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I am to some extent like reveling in like a fall from grace. <laughs> and that just, it doesn't seem, you know, doesn't seem... Doesn't seem like a good thing to do. Yeah, like I don't, I don't like to think think ill of people generally. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I don't think I'm like I'm not saying they're thinking ill of SBF. Mm. I don't actually care that SBF has been downfalled. I think it's more huh. that there's this construct of this like almost like the arc. The arc is interesting. Yeah, it's just like a crazy arc. This is kind of what like so the, the, there's a YouTube channel called Sunny V2. Have you come across him? No. He does these sort of like um, sort of mini documentaries, the sort of the the rise and fall of Ryan Higger, the rise and fall of Person X or YouTuber X, yeah, the rise yeah. and fall of David Dobrik, the rise and fall of Mr. B, whatever that looks like. Okay, and those always get like millions oh, of views really? because people love it to be like, you know, how did how did they rise to fame and like what did they do? Yeah, and then there's like you know, there's there's often a story. Um, you know, I'm not saying this is the case in Ryan Hager's case, but but, but but there often seems to be a story of like they got successful and then they let it get to their head. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. It, it becomes very like, I think it's it's easy for people to have a bit of a self-congratulatory type thing about this. It's like, I wonder I, I wonder if that kind of stuff makes people who are, have not yet done the whole quote becoming successful thing, makes them feel good because it's like, ah, oh. <laughs> you know, mm. poking fun at someone who has ascended and then been brought down as it were. Yeah, maybe there's some of that. Yeah, why, do you, why are you so into it? I think I'm into it because it's like quite close to the communities that I'm a part of. Yeah. For example, FTX and <laughs> FTX owns 1% of causal. <laughs> oh, hello. Like, it's out there. <laughs> we'll see what happens to that 1%. <laughs> I'll get called back. Like, yeah, causal will yeah, probably be on some papers somewhere yeah. <laughs> when they like figure out all the assets that FTX owns. But yeah. Uh, like, I don't know. I think it's just like any kind of drama following it when... It's, it's like, for example, drama around people at university. It's like, oh my God, this person's like, you know, mm. whatever. It's interesting if you know the people. Yeah, I say, yeah It's I not think so interesting if they're, if they're in different school or whatever. It's like, who cares? Yeah, I think, yeah, because I'm close to the industry, I think that makes it like more interesting. 
it's just like an insane story as well. Okay, mm. I, I think I can safely say that like this guy falling from grace, like I'm, you know, I, I, I don't really have any Schadenfreude about like, oh yeah, like he got what was coming to he him. He got what was coming yeah. to him. Like I knew he was a bad guy. I thought he was a sick guy. Like yeah. <laughs> I was like a fanboy like last year or something. Like I listened to this podcast about him. I was like, oh man, this guy is like sick. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't think that's what's going on with me at least. But I, it does feel, I think it's fine. It's fine. Yeah, I think like the the reason I'm kind of interested is it's it's less about like the individual. Like, I think I've, I've I've been seeing a lot of stuff being like, oh my god, this guy's evil. Like I I called it or like you know you you, you can just tell you know all, the, all this kind of stuff. I think I think what's more interesting to me it, it's it's almost like why reading about the rise and fall of uh, of civilizations is interesting. It's not really about like what did Marcus Aurelius do to whatever. It's it's just about like how did how did this institution rise and how did this institution fall? Yeah. And just sort of the systemic things that happened there and be like, oh crap, like I guess you could just kind of write a backdoor into your own software and that would be yeah, like yeah. that would result in this. And I want I guess like, you know, there's a parallel with, with you know, banks do in fact not have hundred percent right. liquidity. They do lend the money that users put into banks to yeah. other things. But, you know, this is what happened in 2008. Since then, there's been loads of regulation around it, like in particular around banks having to have a certain amount of extra liquidity and yeah. all the regulation and all this kind of stuff. And that's not a thing in crypto. And in a way, what's interesting about it is it's a very dramatic culmination of a lot of a lot of years of background hmm. um, around people who are talking about how crypto is like the future because it's decentralized and yet this centralized exchange is, yeah, yeah. has become a bad actor. Yeah, I think this this one is also just like particularly interesting. A because like I definitely did not see it coming, and B it just seems like no one else saw it coming either. And like <laughs> looking back now, like people are posting tweets about like how it should have been so obvious. Like this guy's based in the Bahamas, <laughs> he's like sponsoring sports arenas, um, you know, all of this kind of stuff. Like the the people, the, the like fifteen twenty people that like built this thing are all are all basically like mates, and they all like have been in relationships with each other and all this kind of stuff. They're all like living in like a couple of houses in the Bahamas. It's like, yeah, this, you know, eh, I should have, <laughs> should have made some red flags. <laughs> it's kind of a weird setup. Yeah. Uh, but I think everyone just kind of like bought into the narrative. And it was a great one. Yeah. The, the other interesting thing I'm finding is that it's, it's almost like Twitter is full of like mini like investigator type people. Yeah. Um, and like, there's there's always a danger with this. Like, when when was it the Boston Marathon bombing happened? Mm. Suddenly, everyone on Twitter was just like trying Reddit, to find. I think Reddit was the. One oh, there. Reddit, yeah, the, yeah, that kind of thing. And and there is there's always a, a risk of you know uh, man on the street v- vigilantism. Yeah, yeah being yeah. like, yeah, it must be this person, and then suddenly like people are going after this person's family, yeah, and this yeah. person just happened to be in in the vicinity or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But what's interesting about it is that like the leaked emails and like, it's it's like you're following a story step by step in a in a platform that is not controlled like it's not that the wall street journal is deciding what things to leak yeah it's that this random twitter account is which is yeah, yeah, yeah. random anonymous people and it's just kind of cool yeah. that all of this stuff is happening yeah exactly and you read people's like theories about it mm. and i think the meme culture around it is also really funny like, it's just like <laughs> it's just it's, the amount of funny stuff that's come out of this is just insane anyway the saga is continuing to unfold we'll see what happens so let's but say someone's I'm, I'm loving twitter right now let's say someone's listening to this and they're like damn I'm still I'm still not on Twitter. Yeah. Well, what would be your sales pitch at this point? <laughs> because in a way, the thing that I always say to people about Twitter is is like people. I think a normal a normal person still thinks Twitter is a place where you get like news and outrage and st- like that's just the vibe of kind of Twitter for normal people. Yeah. Oh, it's just a bunch of people <laughs> arguing or something. Yeah, a bunch of people arguing that kind of stuff. And the the sales pitch I always give to people for Twitter is that hey, your Twitter feed can actually just be really cool. It it can just be kind of people that you genuinely want to hear from. Um, to be honest, I think I don't I don't know what Twitter is like outside of tech and tech adjacent circles. Mm. It's probably quite different. I, I have no idea like what the Twitter experience would be like in other, like if I was a doctor who wasn't into tech. And oh, there's a lot of like med med Twitter type. Yeah, like, I have no yeah. idea what med med Twitter would be like. Mm. Like it, it's probably different. Uh, yeah, it's less it's less funny. Yeah. People are very careful about what they say. <laughs> yeah, I just think like tech and finance Twitter is just like absolutely hilarious. Like if you happen to be in these spaces or interested in these spaces, yeah. it's just like this really funny community. You can keep up to date on the like latest stuff basically in real time. Like this the stuff that you find the, the stuff that the new that the official news and media will be showing is all like out of date. Like no no one is no one who's following this stuff is like reading the BBC 
to like get the latest on the <laughs> FTX thing, <laughs> right? You're, you're following Autism Capital and a bunch of other anonymous Twitter accounts. <laughs> and so, yeah, I think if you're interested in tech and finance, like it's it's basically just like the first place that things will break. And you can see the discussions around. There's also just really interesting discussions around them. You learn a bunch of stuff. And it's just really, really funny. And there's like a cool sense of community of everyone like following this thing together and laughing at the jokes and stuff like that. If you're, if you're not interested in tech or finance, like, I don't know. It's probably, I, I don't know how, how interesting Twitter is. I don't think I know any like non-tech or finance people who actually browse Twitter or adjacent who like browse Twitter regularly. Hmm. Yeah, fair. Yeah. Yeah, so I think that's probably like been the big the big thing that's on my mind in the past couple of in the past <laughs> week. <or> so <laughs> all the Twitter drama. Yeah, nice. I guess one thing that's worth talking about is what is this podcast? I feel like we've 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 not yet sat down and then thought like since March of twenty nineteen, like yeah. what what the hell are we actually doing here? Like, what's the point? And in in a way, I kind of like the you know the all in podcast. Yeah, we'll just sort of just chat about what's going on. Yeah, by default, they'll talk about current affairs as, like, the general agenda. Mm. And then it's just, like, a bunch of guys hanging out and joking around and talking about random things. Mm. I guess we don't really have the current affairs thing. Yeah. I guess the current affairs is just whatever happens to be going on in our lives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're like, so. Now my calendar this week has been yeah, pretty busy. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, don't know, I don't think either of us, like, follow current affairs. Like, if the FDX yeah. stuff wasn't going down, we wouldn't be talking about it. No, exactly. But, like we don't follow just general politics or something yeah and i think like with with the all-in guys they all seem to have like a specific opinion about specific things because they follow it and are like, yeah. very well versed in that i'd say like arena. i'd say on this podcast it's more like if the ftx thing wasn't happening it would just be like yeah just our general hot takes on stuff like based on books and tweets that we read and like random random yeah. stuff I th- yeah i think it's just like it's not it's a atem- atemporal hot takes <laughs> <It's>, uh... <laughs> nice so affairs rather than current <laughs> affairs, affairs yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the name yeah huh yeah i think that's basically the pod uh i have a hot take from something i read recently yeah i have been reading an interesting book um i've been reading a bunch of interesting books recently so um when i was in bali i was um a guest of a company called safety wing okay which is like they do like health insurance for digital nomads yeah. um but the interesting bit was like the people that i was with um who i met on twitter actually um one of the one of the one of the people her name is Lauren. She was on my other podcast talking about like nomadism and building a country on the internet and this yeah. kind of stuff. But it's like her and her husband Jesse and this other guy uh, Chance. They were they were all like arts type people rather than tech bro type people. Okay, and knew so much about like history okay, and yeah. like culture and like society and things. Yeah, where like the conversations at the, at the dinner table, I was just like, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. <sighs> Like, what does that mean? What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, it's yeah. like, they just sort of be explaining, explaining stuff to me. And I was like, damn, like, I, I actually want to become more cultured to be able to understand the world more. Yeah. And so I got a few book recommendations. I even posted mm. on Twitter being right. like, hey, what, what, what should I read to become more well-versed with world history? Yeah. Uh, and people recommended a bunch of stuff. In particular, loads of people recommended Sapiens. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. so sort of 10 years later, <laughs> 10 years too late, I've decided to start listening to Sapiens. <laughs> and it's really good. It's good. It's like absolutely sick. Okay. I'm like halfway through on the audiobook at the moment. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just sick. And it's like actually quite funny at, at times as well. And I find myself just sort of burst out, bursting out laughing. Yeah. I started listening to it when I was on the plane um you know one chapter at a time and I, I just feel like i can like feel myself leveling up and getting smarter as it were leveling up and getting smarter yeah i don't like i don't, I don't like the word getting smarter but it's, yeah. it's like i can it's like i know lots of random bits about the world yeah but and like i would visit a place and like go to a museum and i was in santorini a few months ago and it's like something about the minoan civilization yeah, what the like, hell well, is the minoan civilization yeah. is like i knew rome was a thing marcus yeah. aurelius like stoicism like all, <laughs> yeah. of, all of the things that i know are like just scattered yeah 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 but what sapiens does is it puts it on a timeline yeah that's and a, a sense of like oh okay right so seventy thousand years ago that's when the cognitive revolution started and then ten thousand years ago was when the agricultural revolution started and I was like okay cool all this kind of happened mm. and the next number of years ago it's like these three big things happened and like money was invented and religion was a thing and like weaponry became a thing and all of a sudden blah 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 blah. and it's it's just sort of a very you know the the tagline a brief history of humanity or humankind um it's super interesting because now i'm like oh i actually really want to go to a museum and understand like what was going on in this part of the world and how it fits onto the timeline yeah um so for anyone who's not read sapiens 
would 100% recommend it. Um, <laughs> the Sabres recommendation. I know. Dropping in 2022. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> like I genuinely, I, I, I actually had no idea it was a book about history until I started reading it. Oh, okay. Because I just like been hearing it recommended so often. I was just like, oh, it's just going to be. Did you own it? I've owned it, but I haven't read no, it. No, I, I hadn't even owned it. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was so ahead of the curve. I was like, nah. <laughs> yeah. This is just, you're this both, is just not you're interesting. You're pro-sapiens from the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> um, although on that note, um, there's another book, have you, which I'm sure you've come across. Have you, have you heard of the, the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Yeah, of course I have, mate. <laughs> have, have you read it? No, obviously mate, not. Absolutely sick. It's really good. It's really, 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 really People good. People like take the piss out of it these days. I, <laughs> I know. I mean, it's like a meme book in the same way. Like I, I made a meme about Sapiens last did, year. Yes. They got loads of retweets. I haven't read the book. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, no, so, so Seven, seven Habits is, is also good. yeah, it's it, it, it's like sold thirty million copies. It's been around for like yeah, multiple, yeah, multiple the, it's, decades. It's like Dale Carnegie is like how to win yeah. friends and influence people, which is like also kind of a, a bit of a meme book. Yeah, that's a meme it's actually book, quite yeah. good as well. Um, but Seven Habits is sick. I started reading Seven Habits and I was like, oh my god, like, but sure, no, no, but this I, is actually really good. I think stuff like the Seven Habits thing, like all of that stuff, has will have made its way into the productivity wisdom oh, it really hasn't. of the time. It really hasn't. It hasn't. No, it hasn't. Like I think. What? What's the stuff then? So, what's the alpha, bro? It's 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 basically an emotional take on productivity, mm. which is weird. Like it sort of is that what your book's meant to be about? Uh, no, mine is more about like energy and like good vibes and things. Okay, <laughs> yeah, mine's more about the energy and vibes. Yeah, <laughs> where Seven Habits is more about the emotions. Like a spiritual stuff. healer, bro. <laughs> yeah, and you know the Seven Habits are like so simple. Like habit number one: be proactive. And it's okay. like, oh, okay, cool, yeah. I've, I've I've read the tweet thread. I don't need yeah, to read the yeah, book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the book is, is like, it's like diving into the book itself. It's just like super, it's super, good. super interesting. Yeah. And the guy is like, okay, but what's okay? What's the, so one of the reasons I yeah. I tend not to read these books is because I think the format is basically like, look, you'll have the seven habits. One might be be proactive, and then it'll be like, oh, you know, here's some studies that actually show that this is really good. That's why you should do it. No, no, no. It's not like that. It's, oh, it's not good. like that at all. You. Um, have you come across a website called Common Cog? Yeah. Cedric. Yeah, I follow this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's, he's very good. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. He seems I like. So he, he has a he has like this theory of like different types of books. Have you come across this? The trees and the branches. Yeah, there's like tree yeah. books and there's like branch books. Yeah, trunk. I think he calls them trunk and branches. Or yeah, or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So there's the the tree book kind of thing. You know, so something like Thinking Fast and Slow by yeah. Daniel Kahneman, classic tree book, and that it's just like large amount of like very very dense like yeah lots 50 of years worth of yeah. stuff summarized into this book which is like loads and loads, loads, loads of different concepts like give you like mm. a whole tree yeah that you can hang, hang other things off and then you have a book like range by david epstein which is about one key idea which is that generalists thrive in a world of specialists okay and the whole book is trying to justify that idea and back it up with examples and studies and all that yeah. kind of stuff so that's like a branch book as he calls it and seven habits is not is very much a tree book oh really in that it's not like, hey, be proactive. Here's a study that shows that shows yeah. why. It's it's much more interesting because it's like this guy has like life experience, <laughs> unlike a lot of uh, people in their twenties and thirties writing, <laughs> writing productivity books. <laughs> and a lot of the stuff is like, you know, he uses like examples with his kids and how and and also like in the workplace and how the oh, same okay. thing applies. Oh, like, okay, yeah, yeah. You know, and he's like super vulnerable about it as well. He was like, you know, I have I was having a conversation with my seven year old daughter the other day, and you know, here's what went down, and blah 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 blah. And I realized that I didn't do this thing, and I had I done this thing, the conversation would have gone differently. Mm. And I'm just like, bloody hell, this is really good. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. I'll get it. I'll get it. Um, habit number five is one that I so I I kind of skipped to habit number five because this is something that I definitely struggle with. And I, I read like an interview with Stephen Covey, and I think he's dead now, but like he, he did an interview at one point where they asked him, what habit do you struggle with most? most? And he said, habit number five. And habit number five is very simple. It's seek first to understand and then be understood. Mm. And I feel like in any kind of, almost any kind of problem I've ever had in my life, it has been a failure to run understand. the model of seek first to understand yeah. and then be understood. And just like jump to action. Just jump to yeah. a particular yeah. conclusion yeah. or jump yeah. jump to a particular, like someone yeah. saying something and it's like, just assume what they mean, but actually mm. taking a step back and being like, no, actually I really want to understand what's going on here. Like mm. what's, what is, what are they thinking? And the whole empathetic communication and stuff. And he kind of goes into all of that. And it's just sort of within those few pages of that chapter is like, you know, what I've seen in like entire books around like how to communicate how to communicate empathetically how to understand other people's emotions how to navigate when people are in an emotional state rather than a logical state and stuff like that and it's just really well done like through like just in a nice writing through some amount of humor and his own personal examples mm. and i'm like oh this is sick um i'm thinking of doing like a video series of like one one video for each of the seven habits because there's so much density packed into each of the chapters yeah um it was weird so uh, a few like i think about a year ago 
I contacted one of our old like deans of uh, the medical school because I knew he was super into education and stuff. And I asked, yeah. I had a few specific questions about stuff for book research. And I was describing some of the stuff in the book to him. And he was like, oh yeah, like that's what Stephen Covey says in Seven Habits. Yeah. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> um, and then blah, 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 half an hour later, he was like, oh yeah, that's another one of the Seven Habits. And I was like, oh, bloody hell. Like, I, I, I thought it was coming to novel conclusions here. Yeah. And yet like, you know, this is, this is How all can we have read it? Because it's way more famous than a bunch of the other productivity books that you've read. Yeah, but similarly, I've read a bunch of books that are way less famous than Sapiens. <laughs> yeah. it, it was precisely like... But if you're writing a productivity book, like surely you'd read the big one, the big hitters. You would think so. But I just, I, I, I sort of assumed that it was... Oh, it's already... The, it's like it's every, already everything would have made its way up the trees into the mainstream. Yeah. Um, and like the title as well, it just sounds a bit like old school, a bit like IBM manual yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I, I always just kind of dismissed it, but it's actually really good. So if anyone okay. has also okay, has heard of The Seven Habits and has been dismissing it for similar reasons, <laughs> thinking like this is a book for like old old dudes yeah. managing a team at IBM, then yeah. like actually I'd recommend reading it because it's actually really good. <laughs> um, if you are an old dude who manages a team at IBM. <laughs> then you should also read it. <laughs> well, yeah. And, uh, sorry, probably it's disparaging. Yes, <laughs> I do apologize. <laughs> um, okay, nice. Yeah. Mate, some, who'd, who'd have thought like these popular books are actually good? <laughs> Okay, so I'll, I'll buy Seven Habits. It feels like the kind of thing you can like skim and then dig deeper when you want to. Yeah, it's definitely a book I want to read more uh, more than once. Yeah. Or at least kind of find find particular chapters here and there. Yeah. Nice. Um, there's another book I've been reading, which is a lot more uh, modern, as it were. Yeah. It's called Unscripted, like the guide to escaping the rat race. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, is it good? It is also good. It's, it's not like needle moving because it's basically about extolling the virtues of starting your own business and how to do it. Yeah, um, which is not particularly needle moving for me, but it's it's interesting because a lot of people like I, I I'm increasingly getting hear hearing on the grapevine from people stuff like various friends like and family of ours have come to me and be like, hey, you know, Ali, I, I know you're into this investing stuff. You know, yeah. I've I've got a bit of money, I want to invest it. Oh, like, what should I do? Yeah. You know, what should I do? Or like, you know, I'd really like to make this passive income thing. Like, yeah. you know, do I do I need? But I don't want to become a YouTuber. It's like, what do I do? Mm. I've always been like like. There actually isn't a like. I would love to give someone a playbook to be like, look, you don't like your job, you wanna, or maybe you do, and you just want you want to be able to make three k a month on the side. Yeah. Like, how do you actually make three k a month on the side? Yeah. Like, it, this, this is non-trivial. It wasn't that the point of the four-hour work week, or like, was that proposing one very specific way to do it? It was sort of the point of the four-hour work week. Um, it wasn't in a, in a way. Four-hour work week is is a kind of old now. And yeah. The writing style kind of puts a lot of people off. Really. Okay. Yeah, because it's, it's it's it was it was like 15, 15, 16 years old, and his writing at the time was quite like brash and American and stuff. Uh, apologies for disparaging any Americans mm. in the audience. Yeah, um, but it's also quite like high level. It doesn't give like specific okay, step by steppy yeah. type stuff. It's, it's it's almost too too abstract. Whereas there's another book, The Millionaire Fast Lane by M J Demarco, who also wrote Unscripted, mm. which actually is I think it's the best book I've ever read around like this really? sort of the play the playbook to uh, like the in, title this, in this genre. Like such a scam. Uh, it, 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 it really any does. title would like I, I will make you a millionaire. Like no, I don't read these. I will make you. Yeah, no, the, the title sounds like a total scam, but it's actually a genuinely sick book, <laughs> and it, and it actually is this sort of oh, okay. more more of a step by step playbook yeah, too, and yeah, a bit more a bit more actionable around how to do this sort of stuff. Yeah. And then Unscripted is basically that, but told through a story. Okay. It's like the story of this uh, married couple, the woman's a nurse, her name's Sam, the guy, I can't remember his name, he's like an insurance broker or something, and they're really struggling, they've got a kid on the way, and they're struggling to make ends meet, and they, you know, the first few years of their married life, they are falling into the classic consumerism trap of like financing the car and trying to get the white picket fence and all that mm. kind of stuff while living less than paycheck to paycheck while being 50k in debt all that kind of stuff sure, sure, yeah. and then they're like okay cool enough is enough like we we, we need to we, we need to save the pennies and it's all about saving and they're like cool you know i've read a bunch of books about this and i need to save everything that i earn and put it into low-cost index funds and then you know by the time we're 65 honey we'll be we'll be rich mm. kind of thing and what mj basically argues is that this is you know it's not the, the, this is still the rat race. Like yeah, you yeah. can convince yourself you've you've broken free from the consumerism rat race, sure. But you've ended up in the uh, sort of saving and scrounging pennies rat race, where you're hoping that you can then be somewhat rich by the time you're 65, mm. before you uh, while you can't even enjoy in, enjoy the wealth that, wealth that you do have. Um, 
And his whole like model is in, in all these books is, look, if you actually want to make 3K a month, 10K a month, 5K a month, or whatever that thing is, you, you, the, the only way to do it really is to start your own business. Mm. And even just saying that feels kind of weird because I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I know who are like, quote, normal people who haven't, haven't been drinking the tech finance entrepreneurship Kool-Aid yeah. for decades. Like all my medic friends, if, if you said to them, you know, if you want to get rich, the way to do it is to start your own business. Yeah. They'd be like, wait, what? Like it's, yeah. it's such a black box. Yeah. Like, even I'm not even a business to this day, person. I'm not a business person. Like yeah. I don't have a business degree. Like, okay, I'm going to get an MBA or like whatever the, mm. the thoughts people have around this. And the book is interesting because it actually gives a more of a step-by-step -step guide. And so I'm trying to figure out like, I would love to be able to make a sort of follow this step-by-step -step playbook. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, what, people emailing me being, being like, oh, what's the, what's that the best be good, business to That start? would be a good YouTube video. If you just make yeah. like the canonical 30 minute like video on like on this thing, that'd be huge. Yeah, that's what I want to do. Like, I, I want to be able to- blog post Yeah, or, anytime someone emails me being like, yeah. what business idea should I start? Or yeah, yeah. how do I invest my money? I'm like, yeah. just watch this video, yeah. read these three books yeah. and then come back to me. <laughs> and then 99% of people won't, won't bother reading the books and <laughs> like, okay, whatever. But 1% yeah. of them might do and then they'll, yeah. they'll, they'll do the thing. Nice. So you recommend Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Sabians, <laughs> and Unscripted. Uh, I think, yeah, I would recommend the three of them for different sorts of, yeah, like, yeah. It, it, it depends on what, what someone's looking for. I think I'll read Seven Habits. That sounds pretty good for me. I think other people will probably I think read also, stuff. Have, you, have you read Sapiens yet? I haven't read Sapiens. Yet. I think you would also really enjoy that. The audiobook. Yeah, like, yeah the audiobook yeah. is good. Okay, yeah, I'm down. I feel like I bought an audiobook recently as, by someone's recommendation, so I need to listen to that for mm. Oh, yeah, mate, before we wrap up, what... I, one book recommendation. I don't know if I said this on the previous pod. I recently read a listened to the audiobook of My Body by Emily Ratajkowski. Oh, yeah, you mentioned it. Is dude, it? Amazing, incredible stuff. Really? Yeah, dude, it's absolutely gripping. I mean, it's super depressing, I'll be clear, and like probably quite triggering for like, yeah, people who's, who've had like traumatic experiences um, around like assault and things like that. But it's just like a really intimate look into kind of, yeah, just kind of like her life story. And yeah, and it's kind of like the audiobook is like is actually read by her. Um, the thing is actually like written by her. Right. Yeah, it's just like so. It's it's like it's you basically never get such an intimate look into someone's like psyche and thought processes and feelings. Like it's you, you just don't get that very often. Mm. And yeah, it's just like absolutely. Gripping. It's not it's not very long, but yeah, I think it's just like super gripping pretty bleak and depressing but like yeah i was just like glued to it for a couple of mm. days nice on that note another thing you might enjoy is the seven husbands of evelyn hugo what's that it's a fiction audiobook is that the sequel to seven habits of yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that was good <laughs> one husband was proactive yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay wait so what is it victor hugo uh the lame is guy no the seven oh. husbands of evelyn hugo oh right sorry okay um no it's yeah it's it's pretty good <laughs> It's like what a fiction book that gives you an insight into. So basically, the the plot summary, without any spoilers, is it's it is a book that's written by a journalist who is uh, writing a story about the seven husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Evelyn Hugo is like some huge Hollywood actress who's been in Hollywood since the, like the nineteen fifties and is now in her like seventies or eighties mm. or whatever. And it's about like all of the things that she does slash has to do to get ahead in the industry and you get a real kind of insight into her psyche and stuff. I, th I think to, we'll touch on similar themes to my body, I suspect. Okay, yeah. Um, but it's super, super, super interesting and very riveting. And yeah, it's great. Apparently went viral on TikTok, which is why so many people have- Wait, if I, pick, if I listen to that, what's better out of that and Sapiens? Uh, is it on Audible? I mean, Sapiens is about the history of humanity. <laughs> this is a fiction book about like a Hollywood actress. Yeah, I think I, I, think I, want, I want like an Audible fiction book. Yeah, I, yeah, it's on Audible. It's good on Audible. Uh, okay, so I'll get that one all to go. Nice. All right, mate, I've done some banger tweets. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, some banger I feel like tweet I'm shadow banned. I'm shadow banned. There's no other explanation for it. Yeah. I've done some banger tweets and they haven't got much traction. Yeah, I mean, my tweets will require too much context. So I haven't got any tweet insights. Let me see if I've got any book highlight insights and see what Readwise can come up with. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Uh, this is, this is like, <laughs> this is kind of out there, but I'm going to, I'm going to read this out. So oh, this is, here we go. <clears throat> This is by an Islamic philosopher called Al-Ghazali, who was alive, I don't know, like a thousand years ago or something. He has like various books. He has a book called On Vigilance and Self-Examination. Nice. About like, yeah, just like controlling the, 
the self and things like this. I see. And this, this, this highlight is actually something that was on my mind. I remember in 2018, because I was, I, I remember, I remember like trying to, trying to explain this to someone. I think they just like, <laughs> I think I probably did a bad job, but I'll, I'll read out the highlight. <clears throat> Al-Ghazali says, there is no good in an ephemeral good. On the contrary, an ephemeral evil is better than an ephemeral good because once the ephemeral evil ceases, an enduring joy comes with the interruption, the evil having ended. Whereas the ephemeral good, once interrupted, becomes continual regret once the good ends. That is why it is said, the greater distress for me is in joy. Uh, certain it will turn is he who possesses it. When he's talking about good and evil, he's talking about like, more of like an inward thing, not like it's better for you to be ephemerally evil to not like to like do something, some temporary evil thing to someone else than it's every good thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, I think it's just like so true. Like I think the, like the satisfaction and the like, the good that comes from stopping to do a bad thing that you're doing is like way better than the, just like the, the temporary good feeling of something. And basically a few years ago, I was in, I was in Bali with some friends on like a little working trip um and they have milo there they have like loads you know milo the drink and they have the, the like boxes of milo there and i was like hooked on this i was having like 10 of these a day or something we just like bought milo in bulk and i remember i was like uh someone was like oh yeah why don't you like take a bunch home in your suitcase because we don't get them in england and this was when i was kind of formulating my my theory of measure i was basically saying i, I think back back then i was like actually kind of on this on this beat a bit of like look there's no po yeah I, I, like I, I basically had this like mindset of there's no point like trying to trying to like achieve something uh, like a, a temp a, a very temporary good like great i'll take like two milos home with me i'll enjoy two more milos and then i'll be gutted that i don't have any more milos at home. like and i was trying to basically explain that look this there's a zero measure like it's it's not like there's a if there was a way i could get like one milo a week at my at home it's no longer zero measure but if i can get like two milos to have like on day one when i get back home mm. and then no more miles what what is what is actually the point of that? it's just completely pointless and i'll just feel bad afterwards and so yeah i thought that, that i thought this was a i think i read this a while ago now probably like a few weeks ago but that's something i'm nice contemplating i feel like we should we should almost figure out like what is the way we, we we should have like set pieces in the podcast episode yeah like start off with life updates and then being like and then sort of have all right this week here's our let's pick a random highlight from readwise and just okay yeah, yeah chat yeah. about it yeah i have a random highlight it's from a book called beyond wealth by alexander green okay um taoist philosophy requires an open mind and considerable reflection to be fully appreciated it reminds us for instance that we may be so busy trying to get rich, change the world, or improve ourselves that we miss life's essence. Verse 8 says, Fill your bowl to the brim and it will spill. Keep sharpening your knife and it will blunt. Chase after money and security and your heart will never unclench. Care about people's approval and you will be their prisoner. Do your work and then step back. The only path to serenity. Do your work then step back. Nice. Yep. I like it. I like it. All right. I cool. think that's a good note to end on. Good note to end on. Thanks everyone for listening. We will we'll do these weekly now on Wednesday Catch mornings yep. and uh, we'll see you next time bye bye that's it for this week thank you for listening if you like this episode please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the Apple Podcasts website if you're not using an iPhone there's a link in the show notes if you've got any thoughts on this episode or any ideas for new podcast topics we'd love to get an audio message from you with your conundrum question or just anything that we could discuss yeah if you're up for having your voice played on the podcast and your question being the springboard for our discussion email us an audio file mp3 or voice note to hi at notoverthinking.com if you've got thoughts but you'd rather not have your voice played publicly that's fine as well tweet or DM us at nOverthinking on Twitter, please. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.